Hello and welcome to the A Thousand Lives broadcast, the go-to podcast for all things related to Christian missions in China. This is Austin, your host and missionary to China with Vision Baptist Missions and the Vision for China team. For more information about Vision Baptist Missions, the Vision for China team, and how to take the first step on your path to making Jesus famous in China, head on over to visionforchina.org. That's V-I-S-I-O-N-F-O-R-C-H-I-N-A dot O-R-G. There you'll also find a slew of resources to aid you in both sharing the gospel with Chinese friends as well as to help you encourage others to give their lives to making Jesus known in China. Well, in last week's episode here at the broadcast... The Powerful Preaching of a Prodigal-Turned-Preacher We heard an account from the ministry of Jonathan Goforth about how a well-to-do farmer named Yang was captivated by the preaching and message of prodigal-turned-preacher Wang, the evangelist, as the man preached on the story of the prodigal son. Despite the fact that preacher Wang was a former opium smoker and as such coughed violently every few seconds of his message, Farmer Yang still sat spellbound as he heard how a heavenly father compassionately forgave Wang of his mountain of sins. If you haven't already, be sure to download that episode and listen in. Once you finish listening to this one, you won't want to miss it. As always, never miss an episode of the A Thousand Lives broadcast by going ahead and subscribing or following on your podcasting platform of choice. We're on Apple, Google, Overcast, Stitcher, and so much more. Head on over to visionforchina.org slash podcast. That's V-I-S-I-O-N-F-O-R-C-H-I-N-A dot O-R-G slash P-O-D-C-A-S-T for a complete directory of where you can listen in online. Subscribing to or following the broadcast will set you up to get a notification each Monday morning as new episodes release. Of course, you can find Vision for China on Facebook, where giving us a like will keep you up to date with occasional posts about what our team is up to, as well as what we're talking about here on the podcast. And if you're more of the Instagram persuasion, you can find and follow Vision for China there as well. Remember, if you like what you're hearing, go ahead and leave a comment or review. The more interaction the podcast gets, the more likely it is to be recommended to others. Help us get the word out that Jesus needs to be made much of there in China. And also... If you're an overachiever and want to go that extra mile, go right ahead and share the broadcast on Facebook or Instagram, or maybe send a personal email to that person you know who is teaching English in China currently, or that person at church considering getting involved in missions. We with Vision for China are asking the Lord to raise up more preachers to go to China with the gospel, and we want to get the word out that there are opportunities to serve the Lord in this awesome country. Sending someone a quick link to this podcast or sharing with them on social media might just be the first time they've heard that there is actually a way to preach and minister full-time in China. They may have never heard of all of the opportunities to make Jesus known through preaching and serving Him there in the Middle Kingdom. So go ahead and share with them. They'll probably thank you for it. For this week's broadcast, we are circling back around for another story from the life of the Spurgeon of China, Griffith John. Here on the podcast, we've already discussed his pioneering spirit to push to the regions beyond with the gospel. This week, we're going to hear what he did when the regions beyond pushed back. In other words, we're going to look at an episode of persecution that he and his evangelist companions faced as they took the gospel to new areas of China. It all began when Griffith John heard from one of the national preachers that he had trained to preach named Wei that he wanted Griffith to travel to his hometown to preach the gospel. Griffith committed to do so around the time of Chinese New Year when he was sure many would be in their homes and poised to listen. 
Then, just days before Griffith and his preaching team were due to set out, Wei showed up in Hankou unexpectedly to warn them that as he was preaching in his hometown just days previous, he was met with violent persecution and his kinsmen tried to drive him out of town. What was Griffith John to do? How was he to counsel with his son in the faith? How was he to proceed with his plans? Should he continue on as planned and set out to preach in Wei's hometown? Or should he select a different location to preach during his upcoming trip? We'll hear all the details on Griffith's decision and what transpired thereafter right after the Chinese region of the week. Our region for this week is the province of Shanxi. Shanxi is located in North China and is home to around 37 million people. This region has about the same number of people as all the country of Poland and is in dire need of preachers surrendered to taking the gospel to them. Shanxi is a very historic province in China. Its capital city, Xi'an, is the oldest of the four ancient capitals of China and is the starting point of the ancient Silk Road. The first emperor of China, Qin Shi Huang, made Xi'an the home of his magnificent grave guarded by an army of terracotta soldiers. He believed that these soldiers made from earth would protect him in the afterlife. Sadly, even after 2,000 years, many people living in modern day Xi'an still do not know the truth of the afterlife. Very few of them know who God is. Very few of them know how God is going to judge the world. They may not make clay soldiers to protect them but they do not know Jesus Christ, who is the only one who can make them safe in the afterlife. Jesus can save them from hell and take them to heaven, but many people living today in Shanxi province don't know him. Please pray for the many souls in Shanxi province to be reached with the gospel. The people need to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. The majority of people living in Shanxi do not know anything about the good news. Would you pray that laborers would be raised up to take the good news of Christ's death for them, to them? Shanxi is another great place in China with many opportunities to serve the Lord and preach the gospel. Friends, I again remind you that there really are endless opportunities to come to China and preach the message of the cross. There are so many here in Shanxi who know nothing of Jesus, much less that he gave his life for them. Brother, are you praying about serving Christ overseas? Are you considering what he'd have you do with your life? Why not consider giving your life to preaching Jesus in China? Why not devote your life to magnifying him among the people of this huge nation? There are millions upon millions of people all throughout the various provinces and regions of China that have yet to hear the gospel, and you could be the one to tell them you could be the one to bring the glad tidings. Brother, would you pray for the people of Shanxi? Would you pray for them to hear the gospel and be saved? Would you pray and ask the Lord to send them more laborers who will surrender their lives to give them the gospel? Brother, why not surrender your life to being that laborer and boldly proclaiming the gospel among them? How, after all, are they going to hear without a preacher? Excitement was in the air. It was a new year, a time of new beginnings, and many of the believers there in Hangkou had gathered for a New Year's celebration service. 
Just as they were concluding their final hymn before the preaching, Griffith heard the door to the meeting house open. Glancing over, he noticed Mr. Way slip in with a strange, terrible look on his face. The hymn concluded, and Griffith ascended the platform to preach his message. As he preached, he couldn't stop wondering why Mr. Way would be present today, particularly with this strangeness and uneasiness about him. Griffith had just weeks previous agreed to travel to Mr. Way's village during the upcoming holiday to preach. Mr. Way had said he would spend the time leading up to the holiday there in his village doing some preliminary preaching and making preparations for the evangelism team's arrival. It hadn't been mentioned that Mr. Way would show up back in Hongko today, so his unexpected arrival seemed a bit troubling. Griffith pushed through his message, and when the service had concluded, he made his way to Mr. Way to ask what was the matter. Pastor, exclaimed Mr. Way, as we were holding services among my clansmen, they were stirred up into a violent frenzy and attacked, and eventually pulled down our meeting house. Much of the furniture was broken, even. Then, pulling up his sleeves to reveal some bruising on his arms, Mr. Way added, And they beat us until we fled. We have told them that you and the team will be arriving in a matter of days, and they are set on making you all very unwelcome upon arrival. Griffith, Mr. Way, and many on their preaching team gathered together to discuss what was to be done in light of these unexpected developments. They spent some time in prayer and afterward determined that they should proceed to Mr. Way's village according to plan. After all, these people needed another opportunity to hear the gospel. They also thought that another visit from preachers might even serve to disarm some of their hostilities and make the people there warm up to the gospel message. So, the very next afternoon, the team set out toward Mr. Way's village. Griffith John, along with a younger missionary named Kenneth McKenzie, set out with Xiao, a hospital evangelist, another Christian named Jia, and then, of course, Mr. Wei and his brother. They made the 10-mile walk to the spot on the Han River where they could hire a small boat. They and their baggage squeezed into the tiny vessel, and by 9 a.m. the following day, they landed in the region of Mr. Way's village. Before arriving, they came upon another village, and there they were warmly received. The people even seemed glad to see them, inviting them to stop and preach. They were even presented with benches to sit on and tea to enjoy as they spoke with them after the preaching. Things seemed very positive. When they concluded their preaching, they resumed their journey and continued the remaining two miles or so toward Mr. Way's village. Having not even entered into the village proper, they were met with an attack, which, according to Griffith John's own words, the violence of which surpassed anything I had ever witnessed in China, though I have lived in the country 20 years and traveled over large portions of nine provinces. Griffith later went on to say, It became evident at once that the people of these villages had combined to assault us in order to make it impossible for foreigners to visit their part of the country again. They commenced to hooting and yelling, but they soon proceeded to pelt us with lumps of hard clay. Fortunately for us, there were no stones lying about. By the end of the assault, Kenneth McKenzie had been struck innumerable times, and Griffith John received two cuts one on the face and one on the head. Deciding it was best to flee and get out of Dodge, the team proceeded to run toward a bridge which would lead over a creek and, at least they thought, lead them out of the violence. However, upon arrival at the bridge, the people on the other side greeted them with a shower of hard lumps of mud. Realizing at this point that their only remaining course of action was to head back toward the Han River, 
they pleaded with the mob to return to Hankou. Surprisingly, the mob let them go on the condition that they did, in fact, return to Hankou. Finally, out of harm's way and heading back toward the river, they came across another village that welcomed them in, housed them for the night, and allowed them to preach the following day before returning to Hankou by boat. But that next day, some from the violent village learned that they had not yet made it back to the river and came to assault them yet again on their way to the boat. As they attacked, the Chinese believers that accompanied the missionaries guarded them on all sides, preventing the assailers from hitting the missionaries. This, of course, resulted in the Chinese believers being harmed themselves. When all was over and their group was safe from harm, Griffith asked these brave men how they felt, and the reply he received was astonishing. They said, Pastor, never better. Our hearts are full of peace and joy. God had greatly honored us in thus permitting us to suffer for his name and cause. Griffith pressed them with another question. Have you any feelings for revenge? He asked. No, was the reply. Not the least. We only desire their salvation and believe that God intends this to be the beginning of a great work in the district of Shaogan. A few months after the incident, Griffith himself wrote about it to a friend back home in England. I never felt more calm in my life than I did in that storm. The Savior was felt specially near as my strength and comforter. For about five minutes, it appeared as if I were going to die, and yet the prospect did not disturb my peace in the least. When it was all over, I felt thankful that I had been permitted to shed my blood in the cause of Christ. I had labored many years for him, but never before had I been called to lose a drop of blood for him. The thought brought real sweetness to my soul. In the same letter, he even briefly recounted how his second trip a few months afterward went. Everything has been going on very well since in that region. I visited it again, called at all the villages, and preached the gospel fully and freely. I was very cordially received everywhere. In some of the villages, platforms were erected for me to preach on, and hundreds came to hear what I had to say about these things. A good work has begun there, and the prospects are bright. Now, it's not clear from the records available what exactly it was that turned the hearts of the violent villagers to peacefully and eagerly listening to preaching when the team came back through the region. Whatever the case, the Lord be praised for the boldness of the group to return at all and even more so for the change of heart among the people. Brothers, if you've looked into the prospect of serving as a missionary in China for any length of time, you're certainly aware of the risk of persecution involved. I cannot tell you how many times I have been approached by believers in the States with articles about the latest church building in China that's been dynamited, about the latest church raid and Bible confiscation, or about the latest arrest of some national pastor. They come with questions about how the Vision for China team and I plan to navigate the complexities of church planning ministry in a country known to be anti-missionary and anti-gospel. And I'm sure that many listening into this episode may have some of those same questions. In fact, maybe it's the thought of having to deal with persecution that deters you from surrendering your life to serve in China as a missionary. Maybe you would if you felt it was more safe or less risky. For the purpose of this episode, I'd like to simply point out two things. 
The first is that persecution isn't new to Chinese missions. This first point may seem obvious, but allow me to explain. Many people think that persecution of Christians in China only began within the last few decades. People assume that in the days of, say, Hudson Taylor, Jonathan Goforth, C.T. Studd, Griffith John, and the rest, that persecution simply didn't happen. But this is not the case. Not only has persecution in China missions history been the focus of our episode today, but we've also touched on it in past episodes about Jonathan Goforth, and truth be told, it's been an issue even since the days of Robert Morrison, the first missionary to China in the early 1800s. So whether we look at Morrison, Taylor, Goforth, or John, we see that they suffered persecution as they pushed forward in the mission to make Jesus famous in China. But not only did they face persecution, they, just like Griffith John and the Chinese believers in today's story, counted it a joy and privilege to be counted worthy to suffer for the name. But not only is persecution a common thread throughout the history of missions in China, it's also a common thread throughout the history of missions, period. I'm sure most, if not all listening in, know how it was the stoning of Stephen in Acts 7 that led to the spread of the gospel to Samaria and the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts 8. I'm sure most know that it was persecution that was permitted of the Lord to direct the steps of the Apostle Paul as he was on his missionary journeys. And let's not forget that Jesus himself said that we are blessed when men revile us and persecute us and say all manner of evil against us falsely for his sake. In fact, just after that, he told us to rejoice and be exceedingly glad, knowing that great is our reward in heaven. Now consider this, brother. Paul, writing to Timothy, said, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And get this, just before writing that, he told Timothy of the persecutions he endured in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. And then he said this, But out of them all the Lord delivered me. In our story from the life of Griffith John today, we see that very thing. Out of these persecutions in the Way Village, the Lord delivered Griffith John. Now, while we have no promise to survive persecution, with no physical harm, we can confidently say, based on the authority of Scripture, that persecution is to be expected as we go forward with the gospel in missions. Also, we so often see, both in Scripture and in missions history, that a season of persecution is oftentimes followed by a period of blessing. Think about it. Stephen is stoned, and Samaritans get saved. Paul is thrown into a Philippian jail, and the jailer comes to Christ. Griffith John is pelted with hard lumps of mud and driven out of a village, and a few months later he returns to find that many there are receptive to the gospel. Brother, Paul saw clearly that the things that happened to him fell out unto the furtherance of the gospel. Though he was in jail, in Philippians chapter 1 he wrote that his imprisonment led to all the palace hearing of Christ and many brethren on the outside growing confident to preach Christ upon hearing of his imprisonment. So, do you see it, brother? Do you not see that we need not fear persecution, but can rather expect it? Do you not see that we can rejoice when we encounter it? Do you not see 
that if you were to surrender your life to serving and preaching Jesus Christ in China, though you may suffer persecution, that the Lord can use such happenings to lead to the greater furtherance of the good news of Jesus Christ? Do you not see that it can lead to more people hearing the gospel and getting saved? Brother, why not entrust your life to the Lord and trust Him to send you to China? Preach Him and boldly face persecution, knowing that it will come sooner or later. Why not surrender your life to making much of Christ, even in the face of persecution? Why not give your life to the one who calls you to rejoice, even in such persecution? Had Stephen not boldly preached, and Philip not boldly gone out, all in the face of persecution, those Samaritans in that Ethiopian eunuch may not have gotten saved. Had Paul not been in prison, the jailer may never have accepted Christ. Think of those in China who may never hear of Jesus if we here in the States don't submit ourselves to the Lord's command to go forth with the gospel. Think of those who may die and go to hell because we feared persecution and did not go. Brother, will you go? Will you, knowing the risk and likelihood of persecution, joyfully go to China with the gospel? Will you count your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, worthy to be made known among China's multitudes, even in the face of persecution? The Lord could use you, like he used Griffith John, to take the gospel to the regions beyond and see many people saved. Why don't you go? Why not commit your life to boldly making the grace of Christ known in China? Again, brothers, opportunities abound to preach Jesus and serve him in China. And I beg you to consider China. I plead with you to pray and ask the Lord what he would have you do for him in China. If you want to take that next step toward China and learn how to continue on a path toward full-time ministry there, reach out to us with Vision Baptist Missions and the Vision for China team. You can email us at info at visionmissions.com, that's I-N-F-O at V-I-S-I-O-N-M-I-S-S-I-O-N-S dot C-O-M, or email me personally at A-U-S-T-I-N at reachingchina.org, austin at reachingchina.org. We would love to talk to you about the next steps you can take toward preaching Jesus in China, whether that next step be Bible training, ministry training, or language and culture training. We'd love to guide you on your path to making Jesus famous in China. Friends, Griffith John and so many others that have gone before in China have faced persecution for preaching Christ. They faced bi po. Bi po. Bi po is the Chinese word for persecution. Friends, China needs men who are willing to face bi po for the sake of publishing the name of Christ there. Will you willingly head to China and endure bi po? If not you, then who? Well, this concludes today's episode of the A Thousand Lives broadcast. Be sure to tune in to next week's episode for the story of a man by the name of Harold Schofield who made it his prayer that the Lord would raise up many college students to surrender as missionaries to China. The Lord answered his prayer, just not in a way he would have expected. Be sure to tune in to next week's episode to find out the details. If you haven't already, go ahead and hit that subscribe button for the A Thousand Lives broadcast so that you won't miss out on other exciting stories and interviews all centered on preaching Christ in China. Please remember to pray for Shanxi this week. 
The people there need preachers who will face people and boldly get them the gospel message. Thank you again for listening to the A Thousand Lives broadcast. This has been Austin, your host and missionary to China with Vision Baptist Missions and the Vision for China team. For more information about Vision Baptist Missions, the Vision for China team, and how to take the first step on your path to making Jesus famous in China, head on over to visionforchina.org. That's V-I-S-I-O-N-F-O-R-C-H-I-N-A dot O-R-G. There you'll find a slew of resources to aid you in both sharing the gospel with Chinese friends, as well as encouraging others to give their lives to making Jesus known in China. Well, until next time, 再见。